You're listening to IT Market Buzz, sponsored by Copy Punch IT. Here's your host, Kimberly Duran. Christopher Ryan is the author of How to Create an Unstoppable Marketing and Sales Machine. He has 25 years of marketing, technology, and senior management experience. Prior to founding Fusion Marketing Partners, Chris served as VP of Marketing at SpringCM, the world's leading provider of on-demand content management solutions. He has also served in senior marketing roles at leading companies like Stellant, Sybase, PeopleSoft, and Group One Software. So I, I wanted to take advantage of your unique perspective to talk about this topic, sales and marketing and getting them to work together. So first, are you amazed that companies have not completely solved this problem? Not amazed. It's, uh, there are some natural reasons why sales and marketing uh, aren't in alignment, and it's up to the company to, uh, to bring them into alignment. Smart CEOs know how to do that. Uh, but there are, there are uh, you know, I'll give you an example, a sales, a sales VP. He is mostly concerned with meeting a particular target number in, in this quarter. I've got to make my, my number this quarter. A marketing VP has to be concerned about helping the sales VP make that number, but is also concerned with what, where the leads come from for the business that will close in the coming quarter and the quarter after that. How are we strategically aligned? How are we creating awareness that may not translate to revenue until next year? And so they mm-hmm. come at this from slightly, from different pers- enough perspectives that alignment isn't a natural thing. You have to really work at it. So just for fun, can we revisit some of the conversations that sales and marketing have? That's a pretty funny thing in your book. Oh, yeah, and I, I even talk about it, and I, I do a sort of a tongue-in-cheek conversation about how the sales and marketing VP are, are you know, arguing across the table with the, <laughs> with the sales VP saying, you know, your leads are, are not good, and the and the and the marketing VP saying, yeah, the leads are, are real. Are, we gave you so many last, <laughs> last quarter, and the sales VP saying, yeah, but they're lousy, and 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 then the marketing VP saying, yeah, but this is what you told me you wanted, and the sales VP saying no, and, and it just goes from there. And uh-huh. but these kinds of conversations happen every day at companies all across, really across the world. They do. They do, and. And unless you've got alignment between what the sales force perceives that it needs and what the marketing department is delivering, you're going to have a serious issue. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it impacts the company in, in very negative ways. So, uh, so let's say a, a marketer feels that they're doing everything they can to work with their sales department. What are some less obvious symptoms of some gaps between the sales and marketing? Well, I think in the way they talk about each other, uh, in the way that uh, they either do or do not support each other, in the way that they would tend to blame the other for their lack of performance. For example, if the um, sales department doesn't achieve its revenue goals for a particular month or quarter, however they're measured, that it, it, it seems almost a, uh, a knee-jerk reaction to say, yeah, but it's because marketing didn't give me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that kind of conversation isn't helpful unless it's based on reality-based you know, measurements of what marketing was supposed to deliver. Mm-hmm. So that would be one where they would, you know, uh, where they would turn on each other in, instead of being good partners in the business to, to achieve the overall business objectives. 
where they would actually blame each other for not uh, delivering. Mm-hmm. And that is something that a CEO really needs to know how to deal with. And if the CEO happens to be biased, you know, it, for example, a lot of former sales VPs are CEOs, and they don't know how to deal with this type of a situation. And the same could be true if the CEO came from a marketing background, or maybe mm-hmm. the CEO came from a finance background and really doesn't understand the dynamics of either one or, or how, to, how to bridge that gap. Because the CEO is the chief, you know, uh, gap bridger in that in that kind of a situation. Have you seen any examples of extreme success or extreme failure when organizations do or don't make this work? Oh, all the time, and I've seen it in my own career. And uh, most of the time, I've been very fortunate to work with some great CEOs and some very strong vice presidents of sales who I was able to work with and bring in terrific results for the organization where that level of respect. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book and also in a white paper we have on this subject is about creating a service level agreement between marketing and sales where marketing Mm -hmm. says, let's sit down before the quarter, before the year, what, what, what have you, and let's talk about exactly what we're going to deliver to you when and what you're going to do with it in terms of awareness and uh, what we call inquiries and then sales-ready leads. And once you do that exercise, it's all out on the table. And then at the end of that period, you can have an intelligent discussion rather than Mm -hmm. a lot of finger-pointing because somebody didn't obviously didn't meet their their objectives, but it's very quantifiable uh, rather than just just an opinion. And then uh, when when you do that, Marketing and sales learn that they're highly accountable to each other and the organization. And what you measure, you tend to uh, in, improve upon. And that's why, you know, a lot of marketing is about, uh, uh, perceived is about, you know, the public relations aspect of it, building a pretty website, you know, the creative ads and things like that, that are not perceived as adding to the company's bottom line. And the closer the marketing department gets, to being perceived as valuable to adding revenue and or profits to the company, the more respect they're going to get and the more job security they have. So I urged marketers to learn how to be good, quantifiable business drivers if they want to uh, thrive in their organizations. We definitely shouldn't be waiting for CEOs to tell us that kind of thing. No. No, you shouldn't. (laughs) Of course not, yeah. And marketing can well, lead that. They don't have to wait for sales to tell them that kind of thing either. They should be leading on this instead of following on this subject. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a lot of marketers take a leadership role in making this work? Or I think more and more they are. I think for a while they didn't. I was just on a LinkedIn discussion group where someone said, you know, in a battle between marketing and sales, you know, I've always believed that sales always wins. And, and, and uh my response, and it's now out there on the, the LinkedIn group, is no sales wins when marketing doesn't have the numbers to back back itself up. But when you do, mm-hmm. sales doesn't win. And again, you've got to give the CEO that ammunition to uh, to justify what you're doing. We all mm-hmm. do. I mean, that's that's the nature of business in a down economy. We have to justify what we're doing in measuring and quantifying the. Uh, the results of our labors is, is how we do that. 
So you you hit on this this topic a couple of places. You have a white paper on your website, which I highly recommend for marketers. It's called Bridging the Gap Between Sales and Marketing. And you also have you also cover um, some more in depth ideas in your uh, book. That's titled How to Create an Unstoppable Marketing and Sales Machine. Um, so let's go back to a couple of suggestions you had on how to improve the relationship between sales and marketing. You had the service level agreement, and what else can people do? Well, I think uh, if you're talking about the improving the relationship is one thing, improving what you do for the company is another thing. So it's not just about getting along. We keep talking about that. Mm-hmm. The relationship is there to for a business purpose, that is to help facilitate revenue for the company. So when you do the service level agreement and when you deliver what the sales needs or perceives it needs, because sometimes you have to work this out over time, in order to make its revenue numbers, that definitely is a major contribution. And sales then does its part by saying, okay, if you deliver to me these uh, leads or sales-ready leads or whatever we want to call them, qualified leads, we will close a certain percentage of these leads. So this is where the accountability between marketing and sales works to the benefit of the organization. Mm-hmm. You're saying as a marketing VP, yeah, we're going to deliver these leads to you that you've specified you wanted with all these characteristics, and you're promising that your sales team is going to go bring in the business. We're going to set the table, but you have to deliver on your part of the deal as well. That's really what it all boils down to and working it out. So. I take a look at the, the marketing and sales process almost like if an assembly line, and there are a certain am- number of steps in the assembly line, whether it be in a, uh, you know, you're building a car from the chassis on through adding all the parts to create a car. In the marketing, it starts with creating awareness all the way through to closing business. And that uh, could be, Eight steps, it could be 10 steps, 15 steps, depending on the kind of processes you go, the length of the sales cycle, how many folks you deal with at your prospect uh, site and so forth. Every one of those steps has to be optimized for you to achieve the best results at the end of the process. And so companies that spend a lot of money generating leads but have very poor follow-up on those leads are just wasting a lot of uh money and time because there's a step in the process that's broken. Mm-hmm. So you sit down, marketing and sales, and you say, let's take this process from the very start, and, you know, which is generating awareness, to the very end, signing the customer, you know, as a customer, signing the customer and get, generating some revenue, and then looking at every step between those two points and making sure that it's optimized because one broken part of the process can uh, can mean that uh, at the end you don't get the revenue that you need. Mm-hmm. And that's why instead of looking at marketing over here and then sales over there, look at every part of it. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the problems exist, we find out, with clients and people we talk to is in the handoff between marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. That part of the process, if that part of the process is broken, you're not going to get the revenue at the other end. Now, also, have you noticed any patterns in why companies have not 
made this work. So, for instance, you have a great marketing team, you have a great sales team. Have you noticed any strange things that are are the real causes for why they're not working together? I think a lot of it's it's more ignorance than willful uh, malfeasance. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Folks haven't done that before, and so they... People tend, I, I've noticed this a, a lot, people tend to revert back to what they do best or the, what they've been doing over time. And a lot of marketing VPs don't know how to do this, and a lot of sales VPs don't know how to do this. And so you're asking CEOs to uh, to to fix something that their uh, leaders should be able to fix and, and to, get, to, to get right. It's a thing of beauty when you have a sales VP on the top of his or her game and the marketing VP on top of his or her game working towards a common purpose or a unified vision for the company, you can accomplish anything. But if either one of those, so if you've got a sales VP that's really good and willing to do the sales 2.0 thing and, and really use the newest and greatest techniques and strategies, but the marketing VP is living in the past, You've got a big problem, or vice, you know, same with vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that's why, well, if you talk to a marketing VPs, you know, that say, boy, my sales VP and, uh, and my CEO are from the dinosaur era. You know, they still want us to use these old techniques, and uh, they're not open to what we can do to drive down the cost of uh, acquisition and to, to speed this, make a more efficient marketing and sales process. Sometimes I'll tell the marketing VP, you know, you you might want to start looking for another opportunity. You just you may not be able to to change. You can't change it on your own unless these other folks in the in the in the uh, in your organization are willing to work with you. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just curious if you've noticed technology. Uh, supporting sales and marketing, if you've noticed any of those technologies being uh, actually helpful or more of a hindrance in closing the loop? Boy, I don't see them as being a hindrance, uh, not that I can think of. Technology can can be a tremendous boon to an organization's uh, marketing and sales effectiveness. And we, we work with companies a lot on, for example, website optimization, because people don't get most of their information, I'm talking about buyers, don't get most of their information today from the sales rep. They get mm-hmm. it from the website. And, and you know, this is, this is pretty intuitive because that's how most of us uh, find our information. You know, the last time you, I don't know, the last time you bought a car, what you did, but when I bought a car, I had done so much web research that the dealership was really, you know, for me to go there and drive the car and make sure I, I actually liked it and I liked the color. And that was about it. Everything else <laughs> I could do, right? Yeah. And, and the, the numbers that, that, I can, that I can verify for tech buyers is something like they do 85% of their research before they ever pick up the phone and call. Right. Now, this goes to something really important, the sales cycle. People talk yeah. about the long sales cycle, and that's a killer, right? Boy, it's a, got a 12-month sales cycle. It's really bad. Well, what you want to do is you want to put so much information out there, and you want to let people come in and start learning about you when the buyer is early in his or her sales cycle. And so when they engage with you, 
you've got such a great website, you've given them so much great information that they've already determined that, you know, they like what you have to say, that your product or service fits into the requirements that they're looking for. They're somewhat self-qualified, and that can really shorten the sales cycle, sometimes Mm -hmm. in half. So understand the difference between the sales cycle on the buyer, which could be a year, and the sales cycle for the seller, which could be four to six months, because that's when they start engaging with the prospect. That's why it's really important that you uh, have a policy of nurturing inquiries and not you know, treat people like, hey, if they're not ready to buy right now, I'm going to get rid of them. You want to keep them, uh, you want to uh, nurture them over time so that they can buy at the speed they're going to buy, but without taking up a lot of your valuable sales resources. Mm-hmm. Let the Internet do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of educating prospects and qualifying prospects. That's where technology can come in. And, of course, a big part of that is things like email, where you're sending them communications that help educate them, and social media, which is a huge boon, uh, positive impact, where they can you know, hear about you and learn more about you over time through these very low-cost, highly efficient awareness-building uh, techniques. So that's you know, the impact of technology. And then if I take it a step further, the back end of the process is, is the uh, collecting of prospect information and so forth through a good CRM system that can move the prospect along through the sales cycle where you don't lose track of what the prospect is doing. And at the end, you, you know, you're able to close the business. I'm just curious if you've noticed how salespeople in general are responding and adapting to the difference between the, the push and the pull marketing. So now that this the shift has happened and consumers are, are doing all their searching online, how do you see salespeople in the field really adapting to the fact that people don't even get in touch with the sales team until they know so much about your company? Yeah, I think a lot haven't been able to adapt. The smart ones are able to adapt the uh, you know it comes with your perspective what you don't understand you, you have a hard time accepting because you just don't understand it and then once you do you say oh my gosh why didn't I learn about this pull marketing things year, years ago you, the, the premise of pull marketing is to get people to come to you when they need what you're, what you're selling and that's the way most of us buy we don't buy a new set of tires because somebody comes and knocks at our door and says, hey, I've got a great sale on tires. You know why we buy new tires? Because we have a flat or, or we notice the tread's low. We want to be safe, etc. And now the thought is, okay, in a pull marketing scenario, as a company, what I want to do is I want to have communicated with the universe, my potential buying universe, enough so that a good percentage of them will think about me when they have the need for what I am uh, uh, selling. Mm-hmm. So in pull marketing, we're not creating the need. We're not making people buy something because we force ourselves on them. That's the push model. Mm-hmm. But we are there to satisfy the need that they already have. And that by far is a greater percentage of the business to be had. And it's not only a greater percentage of the business to be had, but it's much easier Think mm-hmm. about that, right? I have a 
they've heard about me because through my social media outreach efforts, my low-cost social media outreach efforts, and now they have a need and they go look me up and they find me either because they're already looking for me because they know they need some B2B marketing help and they know about Fusion Marketing Partners, so they go go type our URL into the website or they do a search and we show up high on the organic search listings and we consider SEO, search engine optimization, part of a pull marketing strategy and my website comes up there and they say, wow, these folks have just what we're looking for. Let me investigate further. They dive down further because I've got good, rich content on my website and they say, you know what, now it's time I need to engage with these folks. And when they come to you like that, they're much easier to sell because they're pre-qualified and they, they already know that they need what you, what, you, what you have. And the effective sales cycle is much lower. And here's a third benefit. If you really differentiate yourself, in other words, they perceive you as having not generally what they want but specifically what they want, you can mm-hmm. usually maintain a higher price point for what you're selling than if you're considered, you know, just a commodity, something they can buy from 10 different people. Mm-hmm. If I were a sales rep, I'd want to work for a company that had the pull marketing model, not the push marketing model. That's where I'd go. Right, right. And I'm, I'm wondering if they, if they uh, are feeling excited about this because ideally people should be so much closer to the point of purchase by the time they're reaching sales people. But then I think some salespeople might feel they're being pushed out of the process or something, but, but I see it oh, as the sure. opposite. They... Yeah, you know, that's true. It's, uh, again, the fear of the unknown. Are they, are they, is this new technology going to take away my job? And the fact is, it's going to take away a lot of the job because I don't have to work so hard for e- with each prospect. But my job's going to be easier. And yeah. so it's going to change. It's not, it's not that salespeople aren't going to be needed, but it's, they're, it, but what they do is, is going to change and, and in, a, in a more positive way, in my opinion, for them. Check out part two of my interview with Christopher Ryan, author of How to Create an Unstoppable Marketing and Sales Machine. You have been listening to IT Market Buzz with your host, Kimberly Duran. Please visit our sponsors at www.copypunch.com.